What is going on, everybody? Hopefully, you guys are all doing well out there. It's that time of year. We are joined by Ryan at Sports Card News on Twitter. Uh, and he joins us from Cleveland from the 2014 National Sports Collectors Convention. How's it going, Ryan? Doing pretty good. This is like our our yearly chat. It's like you know the sitting by the uh, the Yule log, you know, at Christmas, and and we we chat about the uh, sports card industry. So you know, my this is my uh, this will probably be my. I think I came on earlier in the year, like in February or something. I was in Vegas and I just felt like popping off, and uh, you know, here I am a couple months later, and then we probably won't do another podcast together until next year. So, you know, this is like a, it's like a rare, rare moment in, uh, in sports card podcasting history. So, you know, we're, we're pretty high on the, high on the, uh, the food chain here. (laughs) Absolutely. That food chain just got a little bit smaller. There was a lot of interesting things that happened today. I mean, it's, it has been one of the more uh, eventful days. You got the national going on. You got the Panini getting a uh, an exclusive. You've got uh, crickets at the Group Breakers Pavilion and things like that. Um, where do you want to start? Um. Well, so, uh, <laughs> this is actually going to be really ironic. Um, I'm actually going to promote something right, right off the start of the, the wow. bang of the show here. Um, instead, we, we probably would normally talk. Well, this, I, I, we normally would be talking about the Topps meet and greet, which happened a few hours ago. But it was funny because my Wi-Fi's been working great in, this, in the Cleveland uh, big convention center. Both my cell phones are working really good. Um, but then Topps, the... You had to go downstairs, like kind of like to. Uh, they had some conference areas downstairs below the um, where the show's happening, and so the cell phone service like just whoop, wiped out. And it, like well, I think it wiped out for anybody who was there because I kept asking people, I was like, "Does your cell phone work?" And, you know, what I mean, like, um, so I took video of the entire Q and A session of the Tops meet and greet. It ends up being about an hour long. It's going to be a two-part because only because my, my <laughs> one of my cell phones ran out of battery, so I had to quick take out the other one and record the second half. But I caught like uh, 99.9% of it. It's going to be in two parts in YouTube. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, both of those are probably up. Normally we talk about it, but why talk about it when you could just go watch for yourself? Okay. And I watched it back on my phone with headphones, I was concerned that the audio wouldn't be really good, but thankfully they had a microphone in there, and I, and even people that weren't on a microphone, they sounded pretty good. I was able to hear, like, the questions and the answers really well, so I was, I, I was afraid that it wasn't going to turn out well, um, but the first, I watched the first half hour, and I was like, okay, this, this actually sounds really good on my, on my phone and my, my earphones, so I'm going to upload both these things to YouTube. And hopefully you go check them out. I, it was really, it was, it was one of the better, it wasn't great, but it was one of the better Q&A sessions. Um, some really light kind of comical, mo- I don't know, just go watch it. I won't talk about it. I won't try to spoil it. Just go watch it. It's about an hour. It takes a little while. Sorry if there's some weird audio parts or, um, again, I, I didn't expect to videotape it because there's no cell phone service. I didn't want to sit there and write things down. I figured, okay, I'll bust out. I got two cell phones on me. 
I might as well just record this whole thing and pray that the audio works out. And thankfully, it sounds like it did. So, but let's start with the NFL. Well, let's let's go with the NFL because this has been on my mind all day, okay. um, and really for the last few weeks. Uh, honestly, um, you know, uh, a lot, quite a few people heard about that this was going to happen um, a few weeks ago. Right. Uh, so, and and uh, and I think you even talked about it on one of your shows, kind yeah. of the rumors and stuff. So, you know, this is really, I mean, um, there's really no beating around the bushes. It's really bad. It's really bad in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, you, you have an exclusive, um, but it also really shows weakness, like on the part of shops, that they weren't able to kind of... Uh, come to the table and, and yeah. keep the NFL license, or what if Fox landed the exclusive? That wouldn't have been such a bad thing at all. So, um, but the fact that Panini got it, um, it might be a, the worst case scenario. It's somehow Upper Deck, like, you know, found a money tree in the back of Carlsbad and was able to get it. That actually wouldn't have been so bad. So, or if, or, or if you know, if, if they continue to split it, but uh, it's, it's just, at, at the end of the day, it's devastating news. Um, this isn't a good thing at all, um, and it's really going to hurt. It's really going to hurt people. It's going to hurt group breakers. It's going to hurt. It's going to trickle down. If you're relying on new products uh, in, in whatever form or fashion, whether that's a website, whether that's box breaking, whether that's selling boxes, whether that's being a distributor even, doesn't matter what it is, if you're relying on new products to make a portion or all of your income, this hurts. This is going to hurt you. And um, thankfully, the only good news is that you have two years uh, to kind of figure it out and also ride out some of the... And, uh, and imagine 2016, people are going to be slurping. Hopefully that's a good draft class because people will just be slurping tops and just buying stuff up. So... You know, Tops will probably actually have a good last couple of years because people will be so butthurt that they're not going to see Tops Chrome <laughs> for who knows what. Now, now here's the thing. I got to do spoil it a little bit. Uh, Tops does plan on making football cards. Um, and that, they could that. easily. I think they can't. I mean, they I mean, can easily set. just take the NFL logo I mean, they're, they're the not going to come card. out. They, they were, I think they could come out with 17 sets or something like 17 to 18 sets or something like that uh, with their agreement with the NFLPA. They're not, I mean, yeah, maybe they come out with a set or two, but we're, we're, okay. yeah. we're talking about upper deck type status. You know, upper deck releases a set. You know, they have the college license and they, they don't even release that many sets. So it goes, it's just hard. So, yeah, I don't believe that. That I think is mumbo jumbo. I I don't think any of those employees there that are for Tops know anything about how these negotiation works. They don't have any idea why Madison Dearborn Partners, you know, these guys are farting out money and ten million dollars. Come up with an extra ten million dollars to get an NFL license is nothing for these guys. Um, so. I don't know. I think it might trickle down into baseball. I think, you, you know, you said it's going to affect you. I mean, there's going to be a certain population out there that says, well, I don't collect football. I only collect baseball. Well, it's definitely going to affect any any kind of new baseball. Obviously, if you collect old Mickey Mantles, it doesn't really matter too much. Um, but 
any kind of like any future baseball after 2016 could be could be compromised because tops is going to have to make up some of this revenue uh, somehow i guess yeah i mean they seem to be into the hats and the t-shirts and the wall prints um and furthering their business they're you know diversifying in that way as opposed to wanting to make sports cards um you know we'll see like i think you make a good point I don't think any of the employees at Tops, the lower mid-level employees, they have no clue what makes Eisner and the dudes at, at Dearborn kick and what their no. decision is going to be. No. Like you said, this wasn't a lot of money. No. $20 million a year? That's not that much money. It's, it's not. Let, let me explain. I, I saw that there was a lot of confusion out there. Um, essentially what Panini did today is to make football cards, you need to ma- you need an NFLPA license to put real football players in the NFL on cards. And if you want to have logos, you need uh, an NFL properties license that's basically a bunch of rich owners selling you the rights to print logos that are decades, if not, you know, 50 years old, six years old. They've never been changed. So that's how easy money they make. But essentially what Panini did is they locked up an exclusive to put players on. So, yeah, Tops might end up with some kind of NFL license, but all they can do is put San Francisco 49er helmets on cards or, you know, uh, the Seattle Seahawks uh, stadium on a card or something like that. And that's it. You you know, yeah, you could do that for a set or two, but that's, you know, that's it. You're not going to have Tops five-star NFL logo hats or whatever. So it's it's not good, but it wasn't for a, a whole lot of money. The the two no. companies combined, uh, I saw people on on Twitter kind of exacerbated at the figure. It wasn't a big number. Essentially all no. Panini did, <laughs> all Panini did was pay for tops. They were both combining for over 20. They actually paid the, the union over $20 million a year. They paid them $25 million last year and top and Panini just got it for $20 million for the next 10 years in a down year tops and Panini combined to pay the NFLPA $25 million and Panini just Which got nothing. it for twenty. They, they and you got to assume they split it. So or it's a it's a, essentially a, a almost a fifty fifty split probably. So they each were paying ten million. Essentially, Panini just paid ten million dollars a year to the PA to get rid of tops. That's it. And for a company that does you know eight hundred million euros in sales in a soccer year. $10 million for the next 10 years is nothing to get rid of tops. It might even compromise their baseball business. So this was, don't blame Panini. Don't blame the NFLPA. Blame Madison Dearborn partners. They're the ones that have run tops into the ground so that they don't even have $10 million of free cash flow to pay for this stuff. They're broke. Well, and, and to put it even in further perspective, like $20 million, when you're talking about NFL deals, go look up the CBS deal or the NBC deal or the ESPN Monday Night Football deal or the EA Sports video game deal or the Nike deal. Billions with a B per season. Per season. So 
So $20 million compared to a billion, it shows you just like what a, like the, the NFL is like a giant ocean, like a huge giant ocean. Imagine the NFL is just this huge giant ocean and you bend down and pick up a little pebble off the sand and you're standing there, you know, facing this big, big giant ocean. You pick up this little pebble, and that's Panini America. And you throw it in the ocean. A little pebble. 20 million bucks, that's nothing. So, so again, like you said, this shows you how weak Tops is. Weak. Broke. Straps. Done. They're not really broke. That's the thing is it's a weird situation. It's almost hard. It's probably boring radio, but they're owned by private equity who have plenty. These guys are, you know, cheering, you know, they're drinking champagne this evening. It's not like these guys, anybody that owns tops is crying today because they, they lost football. This was all part of some kind of plan. I'm sure. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know. I just, it, it's, it's, it boggles my mind uh, that, you know, Panini was Panini was able to basically get the license for 10 years at no growth. Like whatever the sales are now, they're, you know, they're projecting 10 years out that they're they're actually going to decline a little bit. Um, sure, Panini's got to come out with all these new sets now and they've got to replace tops, so to speak. But uh, I don't know. After a couple of years, I, I, I mean, what else are you going to buy, you know? There's there's no incentive for them to come, for them to do anything other than what they've done in basketball, which is come out with a couple products a year that are somewhat decent and provide value in the rest tank. You know, there, there's, there's and then they no, got to do a VIP. Really no then you got to go to the national, and and then they got a wrapper redemption. You know, the, to sell product, they got to do some kind of wrapper redemption or some kind of uh, VIP. Friday. Yeah, Black Friday, uh, Father's Day. All this stuff is to sell product that wasn't selling at the price that it was selling at, and so it's like totally incentivizing uh, your your product uh, from day one. So it's. It's going to be interesting, but people that think Panini's going to have trouble paying this, what, what amounts to an extra $10 million a year, guys, these guys do 450 million euros in sales in a down year. $10 million is really not that much money. It's, it's nothing. So what are you looking at? I don't know the conversion rate, but you're looking at really 8 million euros. And when you do 450 million euros in sales, I mean, come on guys. The, the you know it, it's it they're not paying they were already paying 10 million dollars a year to the NFOPA now they pay them 20 and they get rid of tops so it only cost them 10 million dollars to get rid of tops for the next 10 years i mean i don't know wow. how the how the deal structured maybe it's 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 back weighted or it's front weighted maybe they got to pay 15 million the first couple years and then it gets lighter i don't know my guess is you know it all works out in the end they average they're, they're gonna they're only gonna pay them now 20 million and they were already paying them probably over 10 million dollars they got rid of tops for for 10 million dollars a year shows you like you said how weak tops is they just got dusted to the curb for 10 million bucks it's just just shows you the state of the hobby when tops gets basically punked for 10 million bucks and it just shows you the state of the ownership that of tops they don't care trust me they're sitting they're gonna they got a tea time tomorrow they got a tea time probably reserved for 2016 
Losing football is not, <laughs> not they're not going to be able to, they're still going to be able to gas up their Bentley and their Ferraris and their ma- million dollar mansions and go on vacation. It's the employees. It's the, the little guys. That's why all you guys are listening. It's going to affect you. And it's all yeah, because you're selling this stuff. Yeah. And, you're, and there's, and there, and I'm walking around and seeing hundreds of people who are involved in selling this new product who should literally, when they heard this news, you know, crumple down to under the ground and started crying in like a fetal position because that's <laughs> essentially what this is going to happen. I mean, you know, and, and honestly, I don't, you know, you got two years to figure it out. You know, you'll probably be down to, you'll probably be down to just uh, three or four group breakers by the time that happens in 2016. Oh, so, yeah. you know, if it's crickets about that. So I don't know if we, I, I we don't have to turn this into a, 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 a Todd would tell us four hour podcast talking about the <laughs> NFL. I think everybody knows how devastating it is. Uh, how devastating this is, and you know it, it sucks. But at the, here, oh, I just want to make this point. You know, there's nothing we can do. We, Todd, we can't make Eisner pull some money out of his Disney wallet and hand over ten million dollars to the NFLPA. It's just not going to happen. It's done. If supposedly this ten-year agree, I mean, I didn't get to read any of the articles today um, about it. But of course, I heard about this two, three weeks ago, and we're not done yet. We're not, if you think Panini's just going to go, oh, we get the NFLPA, if you don't think they want to just cock-pump Upper Deck and cock-pump Leaf and cock-pump Sage and cock-pump Tops for making anything, breast bass, they just want to bitch-slap all those guys. <laughs> Period. You think they're just going to stop, oh, let's just stop and get the, the NFLPA. Like, no, nope. they're going for the kill. They're going for the kill. So... Bad news, folks. So, you know, we don't have to play. Oh, the one point I want to make, since this is a, you know, a long-term thing, it starts in 2016, you need to start hammering down Panini's throat to make better cards. Period. Yeah. And whether or not they listen or not, that, who knows? Again, because employees, employees don't make decisions. If employees uh, made decisions, Tops would probably be making basketball, football, hockey. I mean, they may make it everything. <laughs> if you come out with a set every other week or something. <laughs> so employees don't make decisions. But you can sure as hell berate on them to make better cards. You've got to get on cardonics so they can go to their boss and their CEO. And that's their job. They get paid that's to do job. this. To make good cards. They get paid to listen to you because you pay them. It's just like if you're a fan of a team and your team sucks, you have every right to go to the game and boo or put a bag over your head or write a letter to the article or call into the talk radio show and blast them. And, I mean, yeah, or don't go. Don't go to the exactly. game. And, and it's crickets at the stadium. Exactly. And then what do they do? So, you know, maybe that's the point of it They fire the all. GM. They fire the coach. Y- yeah. They move. <laughs> So yeah, they do that. Yeah. Um, so the point is, you know, if you don't like it, say something about it. Um, you know, if you want to keep collecting new football rookies and new cards, you know, throw some suggestions Panini's way and see if they can't uh, improve a little bit. Um, but 
that's only part of the action we had. I'm sure there's people that want to hear about uh, the national and stuff. Probably definitely even people that want to hear about the Group Breakers Pavilion and uh, all kinds of things. What, what do you want to talk about next? Um, well, let's go in that order. We'll talk about a little bit about what's going on at the National, and then we'll, we'll talk about the group breakers. Um, you know, I mean, this is a great card show. Uh, you could go back all over the years. I've been very consistent since I first went in Baltimore, and that was in 2012, and then I went last year. Chicago was 2013, and now I'm here again. Um, I'm very consistent at saying this is a great, great card show. Uh, I love it. I love coming here. I'll, I'm going to go again next year when it's in Chicago and then it's in Atlantic City and then I'm not sure where they're going after that. But I, it's, it's, for me, it's a lot of fun. There's, there's a lot of variety in terms of uh, what's out there. There's ton, you know, hundreds of dealer tables. You got all these, you know, idiot card manufacturers here trying to show off and stuff. So it's just a, just a fun thing for me. So, um, I've been very, very consistent in that. I've, I've never once said, "Oh, the Nationals weak," or "Oh, you shouldn't come," or "Oh, it's a waste of money." Never, well, not now, one time in three years. Now that you've you been to uh, several venues, how does Cleveland stack up to the to the other venues you've you've seen? Um, I'm gonna put it second. Uh, Baltimore uh, was definitely to me like the most busy, uh, popping. Uh, well lit. It was in right, kind of right in the middle of downtown Baltimore. Um, whereas these last two events have been a little like like the, in Chicago. I say it's in Chicago, but really it's like on the very very outskirts, like by the airport. Same same deal with this. Like I'm literally, I walk a couple miles. My hotel room's a couple miles from the uh, uh, national. And I walk through this area that's like crazy. It's like, I guess it was like waterfalls and like, you know, it's like a, almost like a national forest and stuff. So we're literally like out in the Cricketsville of Cleveland. Um, but I like, I, I, I definitely, um, this is in terms of the venue here in Cleveland, it's bigger. The food is way better than in Chicago. Oh my God. Like, you know, and that's a big deal because you're here all day and literally you're stuck here. I mean, in Chicago, you can walk across the street to Gibson's. You can walk across the street to the pizza. You can walk across to your hotel. Whereas here, you know, you're like literally out kind of in the boonies by the airport. And um, so it's good. that uh, Thank God the food is, is good. But uh, the car show is good, too. Um, lots of cool stuff, obviously, and um, something for everyone. Yeah, I've been very consistent about that for the last three years. I've never once, never once heard me say, "Oh, the Nationals weak," or never one time. Never like Tops is weak. So you, you, just... you said Tops is weak, but the Nationals, right, right, right. The Nationals is not weak. If you read my Twitter stream, you, people probably read my Twitter stream like, "Oh, this guy's having the worst time." Is like, why does he go? No, no, I'm criticizing. I'm, I'm criticizing the people here. I'm not criticizing the show. The show is fantastic and wonderful, and I've been absolutely 100% consistent with that for the last three years. I've got videos from the last three years of the National on our YouTube page. I've written articles, and every single time, like, go, 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 go. I've gotten countless emails of people saying, hey, what's this? this?" I always tell them, go, go, go. If you can afford, go, go, go. Will I sit here and blast people on YouTube and Twitter and all that stuff? Fuck yes. I will. 
I'll say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> if you don't fucking like it, here's what you should fucking do. Pay your own way to get here, just like I did. I paid my own fucking way to get here, and I'll say whatever the fuck I want. If you don't fucking like that, do that yourself. Fly out to fucking Cleveland, fly out to Chicago next year, and get on fucking Twitter and tweet whatever the fuck you want. And I won't say shit to you. Trust me. <laughs> so shit, shut the fuck. These fucking... There's a thing. Oh, you do you're so bad for the fucking hobby. Again, I paid my own fucking way out here. I'll say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not an employee. No, definitely not. Yeah, I was wondering about the demographic. I know that in years past, it's definitely, obviously tends, I mean, obviously tends towards male, but also older male. Right. Um, what, is there any signs of, you know, more, more kids or more, obviously it's during the week. And if you're in year round school or what, maybe you're in school already, I don't know, but, um, it might be kind of hard to come out to the show during the week, but any pickup in activity and kind of a younger, more mixed demographic. Um, you, I mean, it's not like there's no kids here or no younger teenager, you, you know, you do see that, but, I mean, it's nothing like, obviously, it was back in the glory ages. And that's one other thing that people do not understand, is that, really, these cards started, I think they were inserts in, like, tobacco cards, like, way, way, way back in the day, so that technically was an adult thing, I mean, you couldn't be 10 years old and go buy some smoke so that you could get the card out of but when when crops really picked up in you know 1952 and stuff and started making sets every year, it was all it was about the gum. It was about mm-hmm. kind of promoting the gum so that you went and bought Tops gum. You know, you bought the gum for one set and you also got a card. So this was a kid's hobby. You know, almost like you know, really from the 50s on. And then when it really took off, you had the little beanie baby bubble, you had the little pogs bubble, you had the little baseball card bubble. That was driven by kids. Okay, so, um, you know, say what you want about kids or the type of products they made during the 90s. But like I said, from about 1950, you know, on up through the 90s, it was really kind of a youth thing. So now once the baseball strike happened and all these card companies went broke and all this kind of stuff, we're kind of stuck in the mid-90s here, late-90s, till today. So we're only talking about, what, about 20 years since the kind of the bubble, yeah. quote, popped? Nobody has proven this new model, this new model of high-end cards, autograph cards, patches, book cards. You should have heard the Tops employees talking about how complicated it was to make these uh, book cards and patch cards. That's why your redemptions take so long. it's complicated to make the it's actually complicated to make the the, process to make the damn relic card they've made these cards way too complicated we've seen that it's not profitable it's not profitable for upper deck it's not profitable for tops we'll see about panini who cares though because they have all this sticker that they can sell which is like 1990s, you know, right. it's like Magic the Gathering and and Pokemon like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon I don't think has changed a whole lot but that that has an even bigger shelf space than the cards do at the targets that I go to. A lot of store dealers that we run across often, 
even the store that's closest to me uh, is majority does gaming. And that stuff really, I mean, for just kind of a novice, I'm sure a hardcore gamer, Magic the Gathering guy will tell you the game's changed a lot over the last 20 years. But the way they kind of sell the packs and the price points, you know, they haven't added pieces of game used jerseys to the magic or pokemon or whatever it's it's basically the same thing uh and they're they're still kicking it and and people seem to be able to make money on that stuff whereas this this high end or even mid any kind of baseball or football or or basketball product or hockey it's whether or not you make money is is hit or miss um so i yeah like you said i don't know if the 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 model hasn't been proven it's, it's only a 20-year history when you go back to the, what they started making baseball cards, what, about like 18, let's call it 18, let's call it 1900 just to be, so, so we call it 1900. So for about 95 years, cards were kind of one way. They were either a promotional item, um, and then they kind of more, they had a little collect- collectability kind of through the 80s, but it was still, they were really simple. It was like, you know, here's top, top 1985 tops. Yeah. You know, yeah, or tops traded, you know, but there wasn't fucking 20 products, you know what I mean? So then in about 1995, you know, about 1994, 95, things totally changed. And we're literally only in this 20 year unproven. So it's, I mean, this is bad, guys. People need to open their eyes. Step away for kind of kind of look down on the industry. Step away and look down on it and be like, "Oh my God, what has happened? Is this sustainable? Is it sustainable for anybody?" Well, obviously, not. Obviously not. If if Tops doesn't have enough free cash in in their business to come up with what amounts to 10 million bucks to, to compete, at least compete or go to dance on a NFL PA license. I mean, it's, it's it, it obviously is not a sustainable model. Um, well, and that's why I guess a lot, I mean, you, you post videos and so I'm seeing what's going on at the national. Everybody's booth has everything but new wax. Obviously, the Steel City guy's got a ton of wax. The blowout guy and the DA guy and a couple other people probably have some new wax. But the probably 99% of the square footage of dealers are selling anything but new wax. Right. And here's the thing that I actually, I kind of knew, but it, it, some people opened my eyes to it. So, blowout cards is essentially a, a drop shipper for a major distributor. Um, Atlanta cards is essentially a drop shipper for a major distributor that should actually you should probably pretty easily be able to figure out who that distributor is. Atlanta, and then a famous, uh, we'll call it Georgia, you know, <laughs> distributor. Um, so, DA Carver, I'm not sure. I don't know the particular district, but I'm, that's the way this game works. Is that these, that it's really the card companies and the distributors. Card companies, distributors. Everybody else, you ain't fucking shit. You're nothing. 
they pay some employees twenty seven grand to tweet you and kind of keep you pumped up and do little contests and make you feel so good. Oh my god, I love Panini. They're so nice. What every fucking company should do. Again, I don't fucking slap butts. Oh, great, great job for responding to those customer service emails and, and taking care of those redemptions. That's what you should be doing, and there shouldn't be any redemptions, let alone their products. But we're not even, we're, yeah, we shouldn't even go there. So, <laughs> but <laughs> again, there's there's very few ballers, I should say, that, that, uh, you can you could almost name you could almost put on you know you can have a list of ten people that are kind of making really good money and it's you know some of the top distributors Panini and a few other people and the stack at the tops I guarantee you like you said oh. they got a tea time for 2016 at Pebble Beach saying trip it off the NFLPA like <laughs> you think Michael Eisner gives a shit about the NFLPA like oh my god he wipes his ass with ten million dollars when he wakes up in the morning are you kidding me? Jesus Christ. So, you know, I hope people can just step back, step back, and look at the industry kind of from above. That's what I do. That's that's what I do. So, well, again, this is, you know, but but that's a small fraction of the show. That's the funny thing, is I, I literally, I was think, I was trying to think of the number today, of the amount of people in that show at the National today, that if you went around and asked every single pers- person, what do they think, or do they care about Panini getting the NFL license? I was thinking 85% would know. Yeah. That literally, they don't, they're like, what? I don't care about football. I don't care about new football cards. I don't buy that shit. Literally, I think it was eighty-five percent. Or if you go on Twitter, it's actually the it's actually the opposite. Right. It's actually eighty-five percent of people on there do. That's what that's what their whole life is: is brand new cards and the new fucking set and blah 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 blah. So it's really a, it's really a contrast. I that's why I, I that's why I encourage people to come to the national because it will boom pop your eyes open. That holy crap. It's a bunch of old men here looking for sets and autographs, and they don't give a shit about tops. They don't give a shit about fucking upper deck. They don't give a shit about panini. They they couldn't even name the last five products. They couldn't even they couldn't even name a product that came out in the last year. Couldn't even tell you. They, they probably couldn't. Uh, probably couldn't tell you uh, last time they've been in a group break either. And it seems oh like, my God. talk about eye-opening, it seemed like uh, some of those guys had looks on their faces that they were they were shocked that uh, maybe they weren't as big as uh, they thought the National would blow them up to be. Uh, and I, again, maybe I'm, Maybe people are dumber than I think they are. I don't know. Like, how could you, as a group breaker, think this is a good idea to come to this? Like, at the very least, you should have came. I hope that this is none of these group breakers' first trip to the National. Because if you ever came to a previous National, you would look around and be like, uh, yeah, these 80-year-old men are probably don't even have the Internet. Honestly. <laughs> 
Like right, one guy at the top meet and greet, he was like, yeah, so I call Beckett's for my information. And then, you know what I mean? So it's like, people don't, people aren't like super well connected. You, you dorks who sit around in a chat room with 30 guys, that, these grown men here at the National, these senior citizens who are literally like walking around with a limp and, and the little, uh, and trust me, I'm going to be there in 30, 40 years myself. So I'm, I mean, I hope there's some punk kid that makes fun of me, me being old in, in 40 years. That, that means I'm still around at that time. So, uh, I mean, it's just a fact. It's an old man show. Old man crickets. Wheelchair. Wheelchair hobby. I mean, I'm having flashbacks to last year. You know, this is old man convention. That's what it is, guys. This is coins, this is stamps, this is old man convention. And your group breaks? Are you kidding me, guys? So there are these, there's these motherfuckers. I'm like, hey, you interested in group breaks? And I'd, I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know all that. It's great, it's great. And they hand me this fucking front and back fucking, like, letter that they, well, what if happens if you don't get a spot? And how do you randomize them? I'm sitting here thinking to myself, People barely probably read 140 characters on Twitter. You think they're going to fucking read your front and back letter about rubric? Are you kidding me, guys? <laughs> guys! Oh, my fucking God. I, it, again, maybe I'm... Maybe people are a lot dumber than I really think. No, like, no, 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 no. This is a hobby. When, I wasn't, what, didn't I coin the phrase last year that group breaks are a sideshow? Guys, they have you over on the fucking side, and it's fucking cricket. So every time I walk over there, it's like, I like walk over to the group record pavilion, and here's here's the sound you hear when you go over to the group record pavilion. <laughs> Awkward. Wait, wait, wait. Let's try that again. I go I go over to the group record pavilion. What, what's it like? Got the store all loaded up, guys. 18 that, spots that, left. That's your voice. It's dead air, guys. You got you got you got dead you got dead air, Colin. Colin, you got dead air. <laughs> this is what you go over there when you go over to fucking Josh Cade. So this is what you hear. You got fucking dead air, bro. <laughs> well, fucking and it was, I mean, it, it's not not that far from, not something I would do every day, but certainly on a day where I was following kind of the, the news on, on Twitter and stuff, I'll, I'll sit there and watch a couple breaks and see how these guys are doing. These guys are sitting there with over $10,000 worth of product, and there's at least four or five of them. I mean, that's $50,000. We'll call it on the low end, like $50,000 of product they have to move through. There, There is no way. They have enough customers to even come close to selling any of that. And that's why they're all sitting there begging people to buy spots. But I, I just like as a business person, I, I don't know if they thought they were going to come to the show and be able to move through all that product. But they're literally trying to sell $50,000 worth of product onto the exact same customer base. That is probably only 40 or 50. So they're literally asking all their customers to blow $1,000 this weekend. And, and, no, and none of that. I mean, people just don't have that kind of extra money sitting around. Some people do, but not. Uh, I just found that to be the most interesting part is these guys went to the national. 
maybe had some kind of grandeurs that people were going to walk up and buy into spots or that they were going to instantly become famous for being there and their their breaks were going to all fill up and people were going to just start busting out their credit card and spending two to three times, four or five times more than they normally do in an average. I mean, this is an average week. If you're not at the show and you didn't plan for this or didn't save up for this, this is just an average week for you. You're not going to pump up your buying habits just because, you know, maybe one or two people do, but these guys need dozens of people to all of a sudden spend 10 times more than they're used to. It just seemed lack of, I just see it as like Panini and the ripping wax guy that kind of set this all up. Those guys just took these guys' money and just played them like fools. I don't know. Oh, these guys are getting fucking bent over and raped and they don't even realize it. Like they try to be like buddy-buddy with Panini. No, the Panini guys are over there like meeting with distributors talking about how they're going to quote make distributors whole on a product. When's the last time you as a group breaker, I hope that maybe these idiots probably don't even know what that means, make, make you whole. When's the last time a Panini employee came to you and said, hey, we're going to make you fucking whole on this um, Panini Hot Rookies? Yeah. That's well, collectors, close, close. Let, let alone the breaker, they, do, they sure as hell ain't going to do that to a collector when you get stiff. Oh, God. So. I mean, I've seen fucking, I've seen fucking little fanboys go up to these Panini employees. Hey, I, I know you really love fucking Dale Jarrett. Here's a fucking autograph hat of him. Look at I'm standing there watching. It's like, what? You just gave a guy who fucking makes twenty grand a fucking autograph hat because he works at a fucking baseball card company. What? And they don't even make baseball cards. This. I, I don't know. I guess I, it, it, it does go back to that. It, it, it's been a kid's hobby. It's been, a, you know, kind of a fun thing. I mean, you know, you go to the little store, you go to the Rite Aid, and you, and you get two packs for 85 cents back in the day, the 1990 Donruss, and you'd scoop it up, and you'd go home, and you'd flip through, and you'd look for the Jose Canseco, the Will Clark, or the Mike Schmidt, or whoever you liked back in the day. And that was fun. But that all ended about 20 years ago, guys, this is totally different. This is a grown man's gambling, $100 a box gamble. This isn't fun anymore. This isn't, oh, this is a little fun hobby. This is cool. This is fun. No. This is buying a fucking PlayStation every other week. <laughs> yeah. Basically, well, that's a, that's another point. You know, you, you said you walked around and people gave you a pamphlet that, you know, you had to put your reading glasses on and sit down and study to understand how break worked. So there's a barrier of entry there. Also, I thought, too, that the prices were too expensive. Like the 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 I, I can see why razzes and raffles got popular because they, they were often like two dollars, one dollar, five dollars. That's the price point you've got to start hitting. If it's not selling at $19 a spot or $60 a spot or, you know, $10 a spot, you got to start dipping down because like $2, $5 PayPal to some of these guys is nothing. But you're getting up into that 19 20 you know, 40 60 $120 a spot or whatever it might be. That's hard for people to commit to. Um, so I saw that just lots of mistakes being made, just that could have been could have been rectified long ago. These guys all just kind of imitate each other, too. There's no real innovation in terms of, you know, trying to price this stuff a little bit differently or try to even do things 
any any kind of differentiate yourself, you know, outside. I saw a guy, a guy had like a mustache on. A guy put like a mustache on, and I, he thought that was his 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 way to differentiate himself. I I don't know. I just saw people not breaking cards. The people that were breaking were not at the national, and and. I mean, that was the funny thing. <laughs> having the, a good time. Yeah, there the are pe- breakers here. There are breakers here that don't have a booth, and trust me, they're having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, you know, not and the faces the on crib. the faces on these guys—they looked exhausted. They looked dejected. The people weren't buying in their spots. They looked dejected. One guy literally looked. He had he had like three super boxes behind him, and he oh. was he was he was dying really to sell them all. And just praying that people would, would come by and buy them. And it, it was just, I mean, I saw people with, with well over in excess of fifteen twenty thousand $20,000 worth of product. And, I mean, you know, f- at least 50, 60, 70% of that's going home with you at the end of the day. And if you don't have any extra money, uh, I, I, just, I just think it's going to be the, the RIP party. Uh, from for Panini, they put tops to bed in football, and, and they're putting all the all these breakers that were stupid enough to. I mean, like you said, the Panini got somebody, one of the big sales managers of Panini, got together with distributors who were pissed about Hawk rookies and pissed about last year's basketball. And like they said, oh, how do we get whole? Oh, we get these idiot group breakers to not only pay fifteen dollars, fifteen hundred dollars for a booth that nobody's even going to come by and buy anything from. Oh, but we'll we'll also get them to pay ten thousand dollars full price for some of this for some wax that has been sitting there for over a year, and give them some a lot of those silver packs were like base. It wasn't like there was a hit in every single one of those silver packs. It was two base cards, and and the majority of the ones that I saw broken today, it was two base cards, and then the thick ones. There were like thick ones that had obviously some kind of jersey card or some kind of patch autograph. Um, and those are typically nice cards, but I would say, you know, at least 60% of what I watched today were just two base cards. So they own Panini and, and the distributors. And I think this ripping wax guy might even been on it too. Maybe they own these guys, whoever showed up there and paid this, this money to, to break there basically got destroyed except for, I mean, there's probably one or two winners. I guarantee you there's a guy or two that are doing well. Um, right. And they probably was already doing well before. That's the exactly. thing. Exactly. And this is probably just like a luxury trip. You come, you you get a little face time, you might lose money, but who cares? You're going to go home and sell all your spots. You're going to sell all your cases. You're going to move every product. But I think uh, somebody made a good point to me today. They were like, you know what? A lot of these new breakers, they come in and they think, oh, shit, I got to break every product. I gotta fucking do. I, I gotta. I gotta do ten cases. I gotta do six cases. Yeah. When in reality, you need to come in and do a box or two, or a half case, or just do baseball, or just do Allen and Ginter, or just yeah. do Bowman, or just do something specialized. And don't try to get in over your head before you learn the business, or you know, you don't want to be left stuck with products. Or you get suckered into. Yeah, you get suckered. You get suckered into coming yeah. to national and spending ten k for an RIP party, and that's it. That's all you yeah, get. Trust me, Panini, Panini, and your distributor—they're buddies. They're not your buddy. Exactly. Trust me on this. They're working together to sucker you, the group breaker. Trust me, guys. Trust me. 
trust me. How many times have I been proven, quote, wrong? Not very often, guys. The distributor and Panini, they're fucking you. And they, and they splash around a little VIP party and they invite you to all this stuff and they pat you on the back. Oh, you're doing such a great job, man. Doing such a great thing for the hobby and, and your Twitter account. You're doing such a great job, man. You're doing all these breaks. You're on fucking Breakers TV. You're like a celebrity, man. Hey, come over to our Panini booth and break with you. They are fucking suckering you guys into buying all this crap for full-blown retail so that, oh, you could go hang out with Dominique Wilkins and Jose Canseco. <laughs> you could have gotten you could have gotten them all to show up at your own party for probably 10 G's. Like, I mean... Oh, yeah. And probably had, like, a, a, some talent there, and, I mean, it could have been a really nice party for 10 G's, especially in Cleveland. I mean, 10 G's probably goes a long oh, way. God. It's not like Bel Air throwing a party in uh, Vegas or something. I mean, 10 G's goes a hell of a, lo- a long ways in Cleveland. You could have had an amazing party. You could have maybe even had Johnny Manziel show up if you if you knew what you were doing. So, uh, wow, how great would that be? Well, I wouldn't want to chill with Johnny in in Cleveland. I'd want to. We'd get on the PJ and head out to one of his little <laughs> little party palaces. But we'll, we'll I'll hang out with that fool wherever because wherever that fool is, there's gonna be a <laughs> whole bunch of girls, and I guarantee you, he ain't gonna end up with every single one of them. So, and if you're his boy. LeBron that one time I think in LA when he was like in high school. I, have, I, I, have, I, I saw LeBron after a Lakers game right before he got drafted, um, and he looked like he was forty years old at the time. But it was definitely really LeBron. It was really LeBron James. Um, my buddy tried to get his autograph, but LeBron kind of LeBron said no. But there was a lot of people around, and I tried to convince my boy. I was like, let's follow him because once we get away from all these people. And nobody really knew who he was, but I think he didn't. He obviously didn't want to start signing autographs. But it was like after a Laker game, there were all these people outside. But so I was trying to get my boy. I was like, "Let's follow him, and then he'll he'll sign for us when we're not around a whole bunch of people." But my buddy didn't want to do it. I was like, I was bummed because I wanted to keep following him, and I knew that at some point he would sign for us. <laughs> Stalking LeBron story. Well, maybe you'll stalk him uh, downtown on Friday. Um, so yeah, it, what what other you got any other uh, inside tidbits? I know these breakers have just been, man. I I, I don't know if I even like. I felt like destroying them more, but then when I looked into it more, I was like, wow, these guys really got suckered pretty badly into spending all this money, and 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 it not it's not going to drive a lot of incremental sales for them uh, going forward. So uh, got any? Well, uh, I've got some advice. I mean, one thing these group breakers want to do is they, if they kind of want to get uh, me and you off their back, or at least myself, uh, you need to start squeezing some of the bad actors out of your little group breaking group. 
that means the rafflers and the razzers and the fillers. If you're a big time group breaker or you're in this to stay or you're trying, you need to be like Panini and bitch slap these guys out of the way. Bitch slap your competition out of the way. Just fucking step on them. And the way you do that is you figure out who these fucking idiot fillers and razzers and whoever, who are they buying wholesale from? Chances are you probably buy wholesale from them. But you need to call up and you probably have a bigger account than them because these fillers and razzers are really not selling that much product, but you still want to squash them. Because guess what? I'll be all up in your guys' ass for years. You don't even realize that. I will be all up in your... I will take the... You look at him, I was so bummed about the NFL. I was going to do day two at the Crickets Pavilion. <laughs> I got three more. I got Friday. I got three more days here, guys. So it can be days, day two, three, four at the Crickets Pavilion. You need to start getting some of your little bad actors, your little wannabe bullies, your little fucking wannabe tough guys. Oh... I'm here, guys. I'm tweeting all the time. Any of you razzers fucking want to come talk to your boy face-to-face? Oh, probably not. Probably fucking not. I'm here, guys. You're in Cleveland. Some of you guys are actually local. I live in Stockton, California, guys. Most of you guys live on these little outskirt cities that are for little fucking prissies. Come to the fucking ghetto. (laughs) <laughs> and I literally live in the fucking ghetto. Real talk. I live in the ghetto. I'll give you my address. You stroll through, and when you see the, all the fucking 6'5 guys sitting outside <laughs> drinking 40s, you'll probably be like, holy shit. Uh, guy, we got to turn around and go back to Elk Grove and go back to Tracy and go back to fucking Lodi. Come to the fucking ghetto. And let's see if you want to fucking talk shit face to face. Because trust me, I'll have a plan ready for you. You know, you're, you're thinking I'm going to fucking get big thugs and I'm going to... No, 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 guys. I have a way fucking better plan than that. So you're welcome to come to Stockton and see what's going to happen to you. You're not going to get hurt. I'm not going to fucking have guns. But it, it'll, it'll be very, very special plan for you. I'm not going to do anything illegal. I'm not going to do anything illegal to you. But you're more than welcome to come because I've got a fucking net fucking set 20 feet wide ready to trap you. So come on to the fucking ghetto and come talk to your boy. Or better yet, I'm in Cleveland. Let's go. I'm taking video everywhere. Tell me about your fillers on camera. And guess what? The second you fucking try to ask me a question, oh, shut down. Do that. I'm going to go fucking check out the show. Well, I, I think you you give some, some advice there. You know, these guys... You know, like you said, if you, you you should if you're a breaker out there and you wanna you wanna establish yourself as I mean I think it's guaranteed you're seeing the sports card industry consolidate into just one brand essentially Panini. Uh, I think the group breaking will do the same thing. You'll have like three or four or five winners and that's it. If you want to be one of those guys, you gotta start crushing your competition like Panini has been, and start crushing these guys. These crooks and these guys that aren't doing the right thing, you need to start crushing them. And there's lots of ways you can do it. You don't even have to put your own name behind it. That's how easy it is to, I mean, I, I, we both sit out here and we put our own name behind our bashing. 
that you don't even have to do that if you're if you're not no. in, into. I put my name behind it because I don't care, and I want people to know that this is what I said and put me on record for it. Because I stand, I'll stand behind what I say. But if if you want to hide behind the internet, do that and start crushing these guys. Or le- like Ryan said, call your distributor, band together, four or five of you band together, and say, "Hey, our account's worth this amount, and these guys over here." are you know stealing our customers essentially that's what they're doing you're you know there's only a small amount of pool you guys see you went to the national and your customers miraculously didn't have you know ten thousand dollars more to spend over any average month so there's not a lot of customers out there you got to fight for them and one way to fight for them outside of good customer service and good you know breaking or whatever it might be is eliminating some of these chumps that don't that don't belong in this business eliminate them go after them that's what a real company does show some testicles but chances are most of you guys are hanging on most of the breakers i saw that were at the national were just hanging on by the the string of their teeth and they'll be lucky to you know even be around in a couple months, let alone next year's national. So you might not necessarily have to worry about them, but that's some, something you want to think about. Clean up the, clean up the business a little bit. You got dumb fuck, you got dumb fuck CEO of Beckett. It's, it's talk, going over and talking to the fucking idiot Razor guy, Josh Kane, who you interviewed. Go listen to that interview, guys. The Beckett CEO's over there, and the one idiot gets him to go, well, we're, we're cleaning up the back end of our day. He was talking about Cardwell TV. Beckett's going to use Cardwell TV, which Josh Kane is associated with. Again, you can go list, listen to the interview with that idiot. But literally, Beckett's partnering up with this Josh Kane guy in this Cardwell TV. And he soon's check out my cards and and Tim Katz, who's a fucking saint. <laughs> and who I would trust with, with my whole wallet. Well you do trust him with a uh, few thousand dollars worth of cards. And I was telling him all about it today. He couldn't believe it. I was like telling him all about fucking shit. But, yeah, I mean that guy's such a nice guy, he's got nice people working for him and just you know, good background and you've been up into his office and it's not like, you know, this is just some random guy. You've been and checked him out. You you know, I'm seen him at the summit sometimes. Fully vetted, I would say. Fully vetted. You know, and I'm not saying that site's perfect. I could go through, I could go through a million things that they need to improve. I could literally go through a million things they can improve, but the guy's such a nice guy, such an honest guy, and I think, and he's such a smart guy. He's one of the smartest guys in the industry. There's nobody even close in the fucking group records. But this idiot fucking at Beckett, who just is a CEO who doesn't know shit about cards, I guarantee you that, he's partnering up with this idiot Josh Kane. I get it. I encourage you to go listen to the interview. So the same CEO who's uh, leading a company that's suing one of the most audible guys in the business, uh, Tim Gatchett, check out my cards, and at the same time he's doing that, he's partnering up with these guys who are clearly doing illegal apples. Clearly. Sue me. Sue me. You, Josh K does illegal raffles. Fucking slander the motherfucker. Then he fucking come to Stockton, California and sue me for that. Fucking cocksuckers. God damn. Like, when come? You guys wonder why I'm on fucking tilt 24 fucking 7. Because it's just this paradox all the time. I mean, my God. Sue's check out my cards and partners with fucking illegal online rafflers. Are you kidding me, guys? He's, he's putting the whole grading business in jeopardy. Like, if he fucking partners with idiots like that. My God. 
in the intelligence in this room, in the national, is like, it's getting lower every time I come to these. I'm like, are these people really this stupid? You guys wonder why I fucking blast off on Twitter, blast off on YouTube. You're lucky I don't do that all year. You're lucky I don't do that all year. I'll go cricket. I'll talk about crickets. Guess what happens when I'm going to go home? Crickets. Because guess what? I don't make my money doing this shit. So, <laughs> I'm going to go do some other shit. <laughs> legal. Legal. Shit. Jesus Christ. And easy, like where I don't really have to work. Wow, that's a real novel idea. Real fucking, how do you think I get to go to the national? I think, we've, I think we've discussed this, and I don't even want to discuss how many times I've seen Pearl Jam in the last 12 months. <laughs> I've, 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 shit, I've probably seen uh, Pearl Jam as many times as, uh, uh, it's like a full-time job hey, for me. how I've much did that, uh, you tweeted a picture of, like, the guitar pick. How much did the guy want for that? I bought it. Oh, you bought it. <laughs> okay. I, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't want to. I don't like to discuss my finances on uh, okay. public radio, but I bought, I have it. I have the picture too. I bought it. I mean, I was literally, I had to take a break after I bought it. Like, I uh, what I was, was the provenance behind? The, like, how, what was his? It was just I have this Eddie Vedder pick, or was there any kind of proof? No, this guy was a. This guy had first of all, he had a lot of rock and roll memorabilia. I stood there and talked with him for a long time before I even mentioned Pearl Jam, and, that, and I was like, man, this guy's, he, you know, he's, he goes on tour, and he, he, collect, he collects these things, he gets these things, and all this I stuff, see. I mean, he was a really sharp guy, really, I mean, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't a card guy, he was right. really a rock and roll guy, right. he had Neil Young autograph, you know, so, it, so, and then when I said Pearl Jam, and he said, oh yeah, and he pulls it out, I literally was like, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, so nice. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I mean, it's the Barry Bonds, well, along with the Barry Bonds um, autograph I got yesterday, I mean, couldn't be happier. Those are really the only two kind of made real purchases. I mean, the Bonds was only like 40 bucks, so it wasn't like a major purchase, but um, just to get it, I mean, just really happy. Yeah, the, the seeing something Pearl Jam, because the last few years I've been looking for stuff and nobody had anything. And so to kind of meet that guy, I was talking about all this stuff and how he was getting this stuff. And then I was like, oh, do you have anything pulled down? And he pulled it out. I was like, oh, my God. So, great day. Wow. Nice. Well, we've gone on for an hour here. Might be uh, time to close things up. What, uh, yeah. what do you got planned for the rest of the week? Um, well, go to the show tomorrow. There's, uh, there's, uh, you know, here's the, here's the ironic thing. Uh, you know, me and you, and probably maybe more so me, I actually have group regular, uh, friends that are group regulars. So I'm invited to a party. I'm going to go hang out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I guarantee you that. I actually heard there's going to be possibly a player that I think actually is going to do really well next year. Going to be there signing autographs and, you know, maybe there'll be some ladies. I don't know. It'll be cool to just get away, get downtown, go, uh, you know, I, I got, I got no response. I, when I go home, I don't have a job I have to go to on Monday. I don't have no kids. I don't have no wife. So it's Friday night. 
I'm from California. I'm out of town in some Midwestern state. I'm going to go out and try to play that up to the hill and, <laughs> you know, see what I can do. Again, no job on Monday, no wife, no girlfriend, no kids. Hmm. It's Friday night. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go have fun. And guess where I'm going Sunday? <laughs> Sliding into Vegas. Oh, and I got, yeah. I got a comped room. Guess who got me a comped room? Oh, the guy who does a free podcast. He's got, it's funny how, like, oh, God, the guy who does a free podcast, I'm going to call him, hey, dude, I'm going to slide into Vegas after Cleveland. What can you do for me? Click, pick back up the phone 10 minutes later. Oh, yeah, I got you the fucking room suite at the fucking MGM cop. Free. <laughs> Bang. That's how so you do. I must be a huge sucker. I mean, getting free rooms at a, a casino is not is almost like a, it shows how big of a sucker I am. But I did spend like like twenty seven days in Vegas in in two thousand thirteen. So I spent nearly a full month in Vegas. So I probably that's hard to do. I know. I mean, that's hard to do because you can you can dust off a, you can dust off fucking four figures a day. You know, real quick. So I didn't say be, I did it, but uh... <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe that's how you're getting a comped room eight months right. later. It's like oh right. yeah, come yeah. Out, sure. It is like almost a year. Well, yeah, it's uh, well last October, so yeah, nine almost nine eight nine months later. So, yeah, yeah, wow. you're you'll benefit from that. Uh, I think I'll, I'm even getting one. I'm going in back in January. I think I should. I probably get free ones. Uh, I'm sure I'll be invited back with open arms by the all the MGM properties at that time as well. But um, wow. Well, you got a couple more days of the show. Anything exciting coming up at the show, but other than uh, like autograph guests and such? Um. Yeah. You know what the funny thing is? That I noticed today that man, the lines to get uh, autographs are really long. I mean, I was looking at one of the Andy Van Fike. He might have signed for free, but it might have been one of the free ones. But well, for the VIPs, though, and I mean, the line was like huge. Yeah. And I was looking, I was like. I'm like, damn, you guys are standing here for Andy Van Fike? Like, you could probably go out on the show and find his autograph for right. fucking two bucks somewhere, yeah. you know? I mean, no offense to the guy. He's a great player. I mean, definitely in the 90s there with the yeah. Pirates. He probably played for a different team. I mean, no no offense to the guy, but, his, you know, he's not Derek Jeter, you know, or yeah. somebody like that, Kinda or bad. Michael Jordan, or Trout, or somebody. So, um, no, that's, I mean, the, the show, again, uh, I, I actually can understand how people could, like, kind of re- listen to this podcast or listen to the YouTube or the Twitter and be like, man, what the fuck? This guy's having such a bad time. <laughs> no, actually not at all. Not at all. Because uh, 90% of the time I'm either chilling, hanging out with somebody, talking to them, or I'm either walking around looking for something for myself or talking to the rock and roll guy or talking to the guy who had all the sick Sidney Crosby stuff or talking to the fucking card shop owner from Iowa or talking to fucking somebody from Blowout Cards or talking to somebody about at Tops about all the products that they have and stuff. And I'm not sitting there ripping them and shit. You know, I'm, so, I'm generally interested in, hey, how many, you know, I was asking, well, how many t-shirts do you sell? Uh, you know, has the order picked up? You know, all kinds of stuff. Who do you partner with? Where, where's your distribution center? You know, I'm trying to find out, like, stuff. I'm, I'm just like, you know, I love talking to people. So, that's what it is. You know, this is a great show. And again, I've been consistent with that ever since I first came here in 2012 in Baltimore. 
I never once said, don't come to the show. Oh, that show sucks. Oh, da 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 da. Is the attendance kind of what they say? No, because I've been to coin shows. I've seen the pictures of Comic Con and stuff. I'm like, damn, it's like 10 deep to get into a fucking booth or something. You know, and I've been to a coin show where it was like, dang, every single, every single cable, uh, the dealer wanted to buy more than he wanted to sell. Yeah. I mean, that's a complete opposite from here. I mean, complete opposite. You open up some cards and be like, hey, I'm looking to sell. I mean, these dealers will look at you like, oh, I really? Like, dude, I do not want to buy anything for me. Where you go to a coin show, it's like, dude, what do you got? You got any silver? You got any gold? You got what, what do you got? Show me. Oh, uh, nah, I don't really want to sell anything. You know, that, that's, it's just, again, so the attendance isn't, it's a little overblown, but it is a great card show. It is a unbelievably great card show. I'm flying out here. I'm spending time to come out here. I'm spending a ton of money. I think I've, you know, same thing as last year, guys. I paid my own way to get out here. I don't have a company credit card. I don't get paid to tweet. I don't get, well, actually I did because I bought shares of Twitter. <laughs> you mean, you fucking guys who sit on Twitter all day and fucking just, you should have been just buying shares. Right, yeah. Right when the IPO happened. If you love, if you, and see, that's what I, I looked at Twitter and I was like, man, this thing is really useful because every time the NBA trade deadline comes or when LeBron and Carmelo, you know, all those rumors, right. I was glued to Twitter. The NBA lockout, glued to Twitter. Fantasy football, glued to Twitter. Uh, before an NBA game to see who's starting for the Atlanta Hawks that night, just yeah. in case I have to uh, pull uh, Paul Millsap out of my lineup, glued to Twitter. Glued to Twitter. So I was like, I scratched my head and I was like, man, Facebook doesn't have that. Instagram doesn't have that. This is like the new news cycle. This is like the new, I mean, the NBA was wet when LeBron and and Carmelo were and what's he going to do? Is he going back to Cleveland? Oh my God, could they both go to the Lakers? (laughs) I mean, it was, which is totally bold, would have 0% chance of happening, but literally you're sitting there like, oh my God, can we get LeBron and fucking Carmelo and Kobe? Oh my God, how great would that be? And I'm sitting there just Twitter just all day long looking at that stuff. So what did I do? I did the smart thing. I was like, oh my God, it's amazing. This is like a totally new tool. This is like Google for for NBA news. I was like, oh my God, like replace Google. I was like, damn, this is replaced blogs, replaced ESPN, replaced everything. I'm just glued to Twitter. All the NBA news was Twitter, 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 Twitter. Nobody, and, then, and then LeBron made his decision on SI. But everybody probably <laughs> found out about it on Twitter. That was the thing. It wasn't like you were clicking refresh on SI and ESPN. You were clicking refresh on Twitter. Right. So what did I do, guys? I went out and bought fucking shares. And when I had a little, I had a little connection in Vegas. I get off on the connection and... and uh, my inside sources had texted me while I was in the flight. I had my phone off. I, I get off. I'm checking my phone. It's like Twitter popped $10 a fucking share in after hours. And I just fucking started <laughs> dancing around the Vegas airport. Guys, you sit around on fucking Twitter all day. Why shares? That's what I did. So these literally are paid tweets. So excuse me. I'm actually am getting paid to be here. Because I fucking last month I bought shares of Twitter. And I was like, ah, damn, this is... This is a great thing. I'm gonna. This is this is a great. This could be a, potentially a great time. I'm not saying you know, if it ends up like MySpace, it could end up like Cricket. But at the same time, it could literally replace Google, ESPN, SI, everything for news. Everything, everything, not just sports news. It could literally you just glued. Imagine when a big world event happens, 
and not, hopefully not like a tragedy, but something really big happens. Glued to Twitter. Well, you're Boom, sh- you're a shareholder that. now. Right. Any kind of uh, any kind of event would would maybe uh, be beneficial well, to you. Hopefully, so. it's like a World Cup event. I know they I know they did really well oh, with the World, the World Cup. Cup. I mean, yeah. people are sitting there just glued to fucking Twitter and the games. Yeah. That's what when these TV shows like Walking Dead comes on or some of these shows that I don't even watch. I don't literally don't even watch these shows, but I know the value that has to Twitter. I mean, my God, these people, it's like a, it's the second screen experience that people have been dreaming about for years. I mean, think about the advertisement possibilities. Think about how much money they can make. Think about if they just had a Walking Dead kind of uh, flash page, similar to how you would search Walking Dead in Google. You could search Walking, now you can't do this now, but this is the potential that Twitter has. You could search Walking Dead in uh, Twitter and all this relevant stuff could come up. People that, fans that tweet about it, uh, verified accounts that tweet about it, the show itself, actors from the show, uh, you know, all this different types of stuff, blogs about the show. You know, there's just so many possibilities um, for TV, sports, second screen advertising. We're talking about a, not on the level of Google, not even close. Like, if I was really smart, I'd just be investing in Google because I believe what they're doing. They have uh, unbelievable advertising platforms. They're doing things like fucking self-driving cars. Their maps is far superior than anything out there. Um, I mean, it's um, their Google Earth. I mean, all this stuff is just unbelievable. That that and they they do stuff that people you, know, you don't even really think about it. They have why why and they have the little cash cow fucking business, which is AdSense and AdWords and all that stuff. I mean, absolutely cash cow. They own the fucking advertising space on the internet, which is literally just going to go tick 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 upwards, guys. It's not like sucking crickets that are group breakers for billion. <laughs> but that's not, you know, online advertising is like it's just going to fucking accelerate. And Twitter can gobble some of that up, and that's exactly why I bought shares. And it's not to knock Instagram, it's not to knock Facebook, but there's something really, really powerful about Twitter that's instantaneous, it's news, it's sports, it's TV shows, it's entertainment, it's all in one. That's why I bought shares, guys. And now I fucking ride high in Cleveland, fucking when it just shot up, and I'm sure it went down from there. And I didn't sell. I'm not selling, dude. I'm selling at 70 like I'm fucking. I'm, well, it was, a, it was I'm at seventy it like three months ago. So I mean, uh, well, that, that was the IPO. You have the IPO, right. and, and then after ninety days, you have a little lockout, and then once fucking, I mean, the employees are going to sell shares because it's like this is the time to cash out. So you really don't, unless you can get into like the IPO price. You usually want to wait until I think it's like ninety days or one hundred twenty days or something when the lockout happens. All the uh, employees dump their shares, so the price is, you know, it really fucking uh, puts downward pressure on the price. You can wait, 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 scoop it up then, scoop it up after employees are starting to sell shares and people are like, ooh, employees are selling shares at Twitter, like, ooh, that's not good. No, dude, they're just cashing in. Like, this is their kid, they're probably making like 50,000. Right, they have yeah. 100,000 shares of Twitter stock, so it's like, oh yeah, I just click the sell button on E-Trade and I just became a millionaire. Like, <laughs> uh, of course you're going to do that. And you can still believe in the company and you can still work hard and they can still hire great people. I just have a real belief that they have that true second screen experience. Uh, it doesn't rival Google at all, but to me it's superior. It, it could be potentially superior to Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Facebook and Instagram do a really good job of connecting people and, uh, you know, friendship and your family and that sort of thing, where Twitter is really like, boom, instantaneous, boom, 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 where I could post uh, photos of the national a week later 
on Facebook, and he'd be like, oh, cool, he's, he's showing us a week later, he organized all his pictures, and he put them up. Cool. But if I start showing photos on Twitter a week after the national happened, people are going to be like, what are you doing? That was last week. Like, we're on to the, on to the new thing, buddy. Right. Like, woohoo, passed you by. So there's this instantaneous nature uh, that's very powerful for advertising the Super Bowl. I mean, the tweets that come through at the Super Bowl, all this stuff. So I'm going on and on and on, on and on and on and on and on. But I hope that proves you guys that, oh, wow, I don't sit around here and just fucking wank off about baseball cards all day. I'm fucking thinking about way bigger fucking possibilities. And when I see a really good idea, like fucking Twitter, I fucking see how I can make a buck with it. And that's what I did. Now I'm in fucking Cleveland chilling. And guess what? On Monday, I'm not going to have to fucking go and shave and put on a suit and tie. And, no, trust me, I've been there. I've done that. I've, I've been there, done that. There's, there's a big difference between on Monday morning, you wake up and you're like, oh, I feel like going in and out. <laughs> oh, man, dude, what's on TV? Oh, shit, the Giants are fucking on today? Cool, I'm going to watch the Giants. I'm going to go get in and out. I'm going to take a little medicine break. I'm going to chill. There's a big difference waking up on Monday morning and be able to do that as opposed to Monday morning, you look at the clock, it's 6.30, and you're like, oh, my God, i got to get up. i got to shower. Oh got to get on my webcam. i got to get on my webcam. got to do these breaks. Oh got to fill these breaks. Oh, my God, my boss is going to yell at me. Oh, my God, I've got 30 <laughs> people in my room. i got 15 spots left. Oh, my God. I'm, um, guys, I, I, I don't know about I, I try to take the – I try to go where there's nobody. I try to, I try to, you know, go where, go, you know, I try to make my money and in, uh, investing in things like Twitter, but I also, um, uh, in other ways, I try to run where there are people not. So if there's all these people doing group breaks, I wouldn't be doing group breaks. I'm going to go do this over here. Or, ooh, I see a real good opportunity that nobody's taking advantage of. I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to keep my damn mouth shut about it. Hey, the the one thing I saw that these breakers, they could use some kind there's like, uh, you know, like if I worked at an insurance office, and I can't remember the program we used to organize all the phone calls and all the customer data and all the files and everything. It all gets organized in some software. There's also something called Salesforce.com uh, that's similar. Um, these guys almost need that. They're sitting there. They got notepads and they're writing. They're getting emails and they've got, you know, a guy in a spot for this and a guy in a spot for that that wants the base cards. They've got all these little notes and, and things they got to keep track of. I would create some kind of just off the shelf service. You can charge these guys 50, just some kind of software oh, yeah. package, $50 a month, you know, some cloud software service that you could charge these guys a hundred dollars a month, something. I mean, some of these guys yeah. are paying $300 a month for, to, for a live stream website. They'll, they'll easily pay, you know, $100 a month for something that organizes their workflow, like a salesforce.com or, you know, there's tons of, uh, you know, management software out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Ryan gives some good advice. If everybody's group breaking and it doesn't seem like a whole lot of guys are money, making money or maybe only a couple guys are making money or big guys or, quote, big guys like Beckett and, and Blowout and, and those guys are getting into it, go where the they're – all these guys are doing archaic things on, you know, I mean, yeah, you might have to use Excel here and there. You might have to use a notepad here and there, but you really should have some kind of software that kind of manages all this for you. And, you know, 
couple hundred dollars on Odesk can make that happen, honestly. And then you can charge these guys, you know, a hundred or two a month for it. So, yes. And one thing I want to make clear, if somebody's ambitious enough to do that, you need to charge these guys per month. Yes. Don't make it all-encompassing because there's not there's not enough of them. There's, like if you do a one-time, oh, here, you can buy it outright for 500 bucks. Dude, you're going to get like 10 people to buy it, and you're going to have five grand, and you're going to be broke in a month. And they're going to pirate it. In. They're going to pirate it. It's, if someone's just oh, going to yeah. copy you. And get these guys locked in on a subscription per yes. month so that hypothetically you could maybe get like 10 or 12 of them. But 10 or 12 of them at 100 bucks a month, that's 1200 bucks. And if it's not a whole lot of managing and you did a really good job setting that up and it works fucking clean, that's 1200 bucks. Right. Boom, right well, you pocket. upsell them. You upsell them all. They're going to need help setting it up. They're going to need help, you know, at what I would have right. is different. Host their website. Host a streaming right. form. Host do an all fucking encompassing package, five hundred a month. I'll right. fucking do it all for you. I'll fucking auto tweet for you. Do whatever. Boom. That's the service. I love the service business. I love check out my cards. I love PSA grading. I love Beckett grading. You want to talk about just perfect businesses? Jesus Christ! You could go to the population report of like Beckett or PSA. Just add up every single card they graded. Figure that uh, they probably make about two or three, four dollars per card, and just times four dollars times fucking however many cards they've ever graded and you're going to look at a number and you're going to be like oh my right. god like collector's universe is public and they they uh, you can right, go you to their their documents and see i've read through them many times and and it is you know outside the coin grading uh the authentic yeah. of the cards has gone up i think it's gone up something like you know several years in a row They've in, improved the business in card grading, so it that, that that kind of business is really just real buttery. And I wouldn't recommend getting into the card grading business, but it, it's similar similar focus to saying I'm not going to be a group breaker, but I'm going to service them since I know the business, I know how they have to do stuff. I'm going to make their job easier. It seems like these group breakers are desperate for somebody to make their job easier. Maybe if you don't, if, if building some kind of software platform platform is too much, maybe you're good at promotion. Maybe these guys, these guys pay guys to sort the cards out and even break them. They'd pay somebody to tweet or write blogs or, or, yeah. Thing. What if you, what if you had a blog or website or a Twitter that that was affiliate link? You know, I would want to set up my own code and be able to track my own code because I wouldn't trust any of these group records to be able to set up an affiliate platform. Right. But um, I mean, that's a, that's actually a really good idea because these guys are having trouble selling spots. They got 15 spots left. Oh my god, I've got to break this in 20 minutes. I, I've got 20 people in my room. Holy shit, I need some fucking buys now. That's where you could come in and be like, oh, I'm Mr. Fucking Super Tweeter. I've got a great website that gets thousands of views per day. Yeah. Or I've got fucking whatever you want to do. And then, boom, you come in there with an affiliate link. Somebody clicks through that link, buys a $60 spot. You just got locked off 20, uh, 10% of that. So you just made, well, hopefully more than that. But let's hypothetically say you got fucking uh, 10, 10% of that. Now, granted, you only made six bucks on that one sale, but imagine if you got over and over and over and over again, and it was easy for you. It was just sending out a tweet. It was just putting a banner on your website. It was just putting a link on your website. It was just uh, fucking doing whatever you had to do, uh, sending out an email to your fucking 5,000 email subscribers. So there's a really, really good, you know, that's a really actually good idea. These guys seem like they need some help selling some spots. They seem like they need some help with the business sense and the kind of uh, the tangible, you know, uh, kind of thing that you really need to succeed, especially in a business like sports cards, which is a depressed, 
you know, down. You know, that article in Yahoo, they said the bright side, they said, this is what they said the bright side was to being a card store owner. And you could say the same thing. You can, you can lump card store owner, group breaker. You're, you're honestly, you're not that far apart. Yeah. They said the bright side to being a card, baseball card store owner today was, the bright side was that you're not an encyclopedia or video store owner. <laughs> That was the bright side, that you're not Blockbuster and you're not a door-to-door Encyclopedia Britannica uh, seller. So, guys, this is a tough, you're in a tough, 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 tough thing. So if you're looking to make some money, maybe you try breaks and maybe you still want to be around cards, you still want to, you know, be involved in the industry somewhere, you got to come at it with a different angle, guys. You've got to admit you failed or admit this isn't going to work. I'm not going to be able to scale this. I'm not going to make any money. It's going to take too much time. But but maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like me. I, I failed at running a card store or failed at uh, selling online. Uh, never really had any success at that at all. Net loser. Net loser buying wholesale or reselling. Absolute net five-figure five net loser. Literally five-figure net loser in trying to buy sports card products and reselling them. But I didn't give up. I didn't quit. I came at it from a different angle. Came at it from a totally different angle and finally had some success. And then you can, then you can, once you start having some success, you need to diversify your income. So we could talk for an hour about that, but I'll, I'll spare people that. And, you know, I only come on once a year. So next year we can talk about diversifying your income because I guarantee you it will be a, it will be a, uh, still a very poignant thing that people are going to need to do. And you're going to need to do this in this next couple of years on the NFL. You need to figure out a way to diversify your income. And it's not, Ooh, well, I'll sell personal boxes or, Oh, I'll sell a little bit on eBay. No, you need something totally outside of sports cards. Yeah. Guys, Literally, totally, one hundred percent different. Or in Literally. a different category, you can you can sell something different. You don't you know they'll you're if Tops is selling T-shirts and hats, don't put your company logo on it. I don't think those would sell very well. But you can probably if you got a wholesale account, you you might be able to get a good deal on some some hats or some oh, something, yeah, some, tennis, some t-shirts, stickers, keychains, right. everything. You can just do a whole store, do an Amazon A store, the affiliate link. You know, if you if you're able to get some traffic to your guys' website, you guys need to be able to start converting your traffic a little more, and not just them buying spots. That's why I would be hosting this stuff on my own website, so that at the very least I've got 30 people on my own website with some ads on the side fucking watching these videos, so at the right. very least I'm earning a fucking, some pennies off these guys. And you might laugh at pennies. Guess what? Pennies add up when you're, when you, when you're able to get the volume. You know, and the web, with the web game, it's all about volume. It's all about, you know, a lot of times it's all about volume and your conversion rate. It sounds like the, the you know the conversion rate rate's pretty low on these box breaks because you only got thirty people in your room and you got fifteen slots left and you're at the national, so your conversion rate's pretty low. So you're gonna have to fucking step it up here. Got to step it up. Figure yeah. out some some different ways, yeah. and it's possible, guys. But don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to call it a day and be like, ah, oh, gotta, I'm I'm just not gonna be good at these breaks. Don't give up. Don't leave the hobby. Don't leave. Try something uh, new. Try something business. nobody Try else is doing. New. Yeah, that you're better at or that's easier or that's, uh, 
you know, and hopefully at, at some point more profitable. That can take some time, though. You really just need to try to find something that you really enjoy doing. I don't know how many people really enjoy sitting in front of these webcams and doing these breaks. You know, there might be some kind of celebrity factor in it, but once you got to get down to sorting these cards and packing and shipping, it's really not a whole lot of money involved, guys. Come at it from a different way. Come at you have you have knowledge about the products, you have knowledge about these sets, you have knowledge about the group breaking business, which very few people have, as we can see with the CEO of Beckett talking to these fucking raffle, rafflers. Not that many people know about this. So there's a way where you can come in at, at an angle, either an affiliate, or you set these guys up with websites, or you set these guys up with a streaming package, or you set these guys up with something. You're a promotion guy for these guys. You're doing something for them. And there might, you might even want to think of something totally outside the box. But just start thinking about that. Hey, if I'm not able to make it as a group breaker, don't leave the hobby. Don't think, oh, man, sports card radio and fucking Ryan Tedder ran me out of town. No, guys. Come up with something different. Come up with a better idea. Come out at a different angle. Or specialize in just doing Ginter or Bowman or, or, or you know, you have to consolidate a little bit. But, but don't quit. Don't, just don't quit. You know, if you have to quit, hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do to pay your bills. But don't be afraid to fail and, and try to come up with something new. Learn why did you fail? What was bad about what you did? What was bad about your business model? What was bad about how you were spending your time? Why couldn't you make any money? Be honest with yourself. That's what I did. You know, that's what both of us did after we uh, failed at our car shop. We were both sitting there, and trust me, we were both depressed. It was, one, it was literally one of the worst times of my life. Like, literally one of the worst times of my life. I had to go get a job. I had to get up at, on Monday mornings at 6 a.m. and put on a suit and tie and shape. And then I would come down on the weekends and visit you, and you were doing essentially the same thing, having to get up and grind every day. And I remember looking at you being like, dude, figure out a way where we could fucking sit on our ass and make money. And that's a direct quote. That's a direct quote for me. And I wasn't kidding. I was like, just, just figure out a way where we could fucking sit on our ass and fucking make money. Because that's what I want to do. I don't want to go to work every day. I don't want to fucking... <laughs> and buying shares of, shares of Twitter and watching them pop, uh, you know, 12, 13%, 20% in after hours is, is about as easy as... Uh, it's about no, as, uh... God, yeah, I think one of the things you came to me was that XBO stock, and I think it was like, I think I remember buying shares at 69 cents, and what is it today? <laughs> tell, tell, tell the audience, okay, I remember buying shares at 69 cents per share, this was back in 2000, this was when everything crashed, and I, and I remember, I didn't have, I didn't know shit about the stock market, and I told you, hey, dude, figure out a way where you can sit on your ass and make money. I think I come back a week later, and, and you turn the computer to me, and I see this chart, and I just see this chart just up, 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 and then, boom, just straight down, like a fucking 20-year drop, and I remember looking at that being like, what is that, say? oh, that's Dow Jones, okay, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, in 1994, the Dow Jones was at 7,000. Oh, and then in 2007, it was at four, it was like at 12,000. Oh my God, it's a huge, and now today, oh my God, it's back down to 7,000. <laughs> oh my God, this is the time to buy. Right. Everybody was like, oh, sell, 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 run. Oh my God, everybody's broke. Ever fucking sell all your fucking, no, it's not the time to fucking blow it up, guys. <laughs> oh my God. And I remember, okay, so back to the story, you so we saw that, and we were like, oh, my God, fuck, I was actually making money at the time. That was weird. I, I remember looking at it and be like, God damn, I'm making, like, good money now, fucking hiring nurses and group breakers' wives and all this shit. And I remember thinking to myself, 
I remember being like, damn, this is crazy. And, I, and so we, there was a stock, it was XTO. And I remember buying, I remember logging into ShareBuilder and I remember putting in my order. And I remember it was 69 cents per share. Tell everybody, well, I hope you queued it up. Tell everybody what the closing price of XTO was today. I don't know what it was today. I didn't. I didn't check. Um, but the last time I did check, it was like over thirty one dollars, thirty dollars oh. a share, thirty one dollars a share. So wow! Um, so it went from sixty nine cents to thirty one dollars per share. So folks, as you can see, imagine if you bought a bunch of cards at sixty nine cents, and then you know here they were worth thirty dollars like each. And you have so, you stacks know, of bo- basically thirty two hundred count boxes of it. That's I mean, like that's how. I mean, it wasn't like it happened overnight. We're looking over a, like a you know four or five six year period here. So clear, clearly, um, you have to set your time horizons out a little bit. But uh, you know your fate your fate can change very quickly. Let's just put it that way. Um, thanks to thanks to XPO, but Ryan, we've gone on quite a bit here. We will, maybe we'll have to bring you back at some point. Uh, maybe if you're if you're well, I don't. I think you're going to be vi- busy in Vegas. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, the last time here's the funny thing. The last time I came on this podcast, I, we were like getting emails like four months later. What the fuck's up with your brother? He's a fucking cocksucker and he hates the industry and fucking you're he's an idiot and da 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 da. So I don't know. This might be one, you know, the one time a year and then I'm done because I'm sure there's going to be some fucking idiot cocksucker. Oh my God, you guys are so bad for the fucking hobby and da 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 da. Again, pay your own fucking way like I did. Come out to fucking wherever this is. Great show. I actually, I actually encourage you to come out here because it's fun. It's great. Do your own videos. Do your own Twitter. Do your own podcast. Set up your own website. That's what. That's what I did. That's what I did. That's what you did. That's what we did. We set up our own website. We set up our own fucking shit. We built our own following. It's not not that much work, to be honest. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Just being yourself, and like I think that's the main thing, you know. Be be yourself. If be yourself, exactly, and, and not necessarily be honest because my truth could be different than everybody else's truth. But I'm just being, I'm just being as honest as I can be. Am I right 100 percent of the time? No. Uh, you know, am I correct in everything I say? No. Is it harsh a lot of times when I say yes? But I'm just looking at the last 20 years of this industry, and we're into this, oh, it used to be, when I started buying packs, and I'm not that old, when I started buying packs, they were like 25 cents, 50 cents. Now they're fucking 500, or you have Super Break for 7,000 a box. <laughs> super Break. Guys, really? This is a joke. This is like turned into like this weird, legal, legal gamble. Like, I mean, it's just the weirdest thing I've ever seen, like, turn in a bit, like a total turn from 1900 to 1995, 1994, cards were made one, just kind of one way, you know, with with almost very little change, very, very, I remember when they started putting the hologram on the upper deck cards in 89, that was like a huge deal, this fucking, like, two centimeter fucking hologram on the back, oh my god, it's gonna stop counterfeiting, and it's this and this. Now we've got fucking like four hundred dollar packs and fucking eight layer book cards and forty <laughs> autographs and sticker autographs on one card and oh here's a redemption and two years later guys this is nuts this is like kooky like who who got us here 
they're like, guys, stop, just like time out. Like, whoa, what happened <laughs> the last 20 years? Can we go back to 1992 tops? Like, oh my God, this is nuts. So, again, they would love, you know, the people, people, collectors would be like, oh no, we wouldn't, the companies would instantly go back to 1990 and be able to produce right. a 500 card set in three different series and that's it. And that's all you come out with and you sell 300 million of it, you know, I mean, I mean, that's what Panini stickers are. And that's what uh top series one essentially is, you know, to a lesser extent. Um, so, I mean, it's gotten more and more complicated and, and uh, that that's not necessarily a good thing. And that, that might be a good place uh, to wrap things up. I know it's getting late in uh, wherever the hell you are. Um, so, yeah. Any closing thoughts as we wrap it up here? Uh, that's it. And, you know, like I said, you know, the, maybe the message is really confusing, but the one message you can take out of it is that if you had the money and you can afford it and you have the time, come out to the National because it's fun and I guarantee you're going to have you're gonna have fun and you're going to be like, wow, this, this fool is right. I said, this is really crazy. This is cool. I'm loving this. I'm fucking having a blast. I'm like, Every fucking table is different. There's all this stuff to buy. There's fun, all these people to talk to. I meet cool people. All this kind of stuff. It's all true, baby. This is this is a, a great time. So again, I've been again. I want to say that I've been 100% consistent with that for the, every three years that I've been. And the tune's not going to change next year when we I go to Chicago. And as long as I keep having a good time and and uh, you know I could care less how dealers are doing money wise. I'm shit. I'm coming. I'm having a great time. I'm like man, this is fun. So. Um, come on out. That's my closing message. Come on out. Experience it for yourself. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about what I'm saying. You know, who gives a fuck? Say what, say what you want. You have freedom of speech. You do what you want. You run your own business. You fucking do your thing. You know, stick it up my ass. Shove it up my ass when you're successful and you're balling. It's like, hey, sports card news. Suck on this and show me what you're popping bottles in the club. I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, I'd be like, damn, bro. And do it on Twitter, too, because that helps me. That helps me fucking pop because I got I own I own Baller Twitter so you know get on Twitter tweet me be like hey dude I'm fucking bottle bottles in the club with Johnny Manziel fucking doing group breaks I'm like right on bro that's hey that's what's up right there you're you're doing it big you fucking you made it you're one of the guys that made it you're fucking smart you did it so <laughs> you know that's my advice awesome advice well Ryan we'll have to bring you on again uh, within the year thanks again for coming on today. All right, later.